Genesis, Genesis chapter 44, and verse 18. Now, remember the context of what's going on here. Joseph, of course, was sold into slavery by his brothers. They had intended to kill him. And Reuben was there and kind of talked him out of that. And then they said, let's not kill him, let's make some money off of him. And they sold him into slavery. He went down into Egypt. And through a set of circumstances, he rose up to be the second most powerful man in Egypt under Pharaoh. And that was all by the hand and power of God. And he gave God the credit for that. But as Joseph did this, his brothers, there was a famine in the land that God had prophesied. And here comes, here comes Joseph's brothers. They come in. They don't recognize Joseph. Joseph asks about his younger brother. That He asks about his dad. And they have no idea why he's asking all these questions. And he said, well, come back again. Don't come back unless you bring your younger brother, your youngest brother, which had been Joseph's a brother by mother and dad, his full brother, Benjamin. So they go back to tell the dad, they run out of food, they tell the dad, we can't go back unless we bring Benjamin. Dad don't want to let it happen. He said, there's no way. Reuben steps up. Reuben says, I'll go. I'll make, I'll be, if something happens, you can just put it, you can take my kids and you can do something to my kids. If something happens to Benjamin, you can, if I come back without Benjamin, then you can take my kids and kill them, whatever you want to do. And of course, Jacob's like, no, I don't trust you. And Judah steps up, and Judah says, Dad, I'll go. I'll be surety for the boy. I'll be surety for Benjamin. So they go. They show up. Joseph sees them. Joseph sees them show up. They still don't know it's Joseph. Joseph takes them. He makes this big feast in his house for them. It's amazing, big feast. And he sets the boys from the oldest to the youngest, which amazes them. He's like, they don't know how they know who's the oldest, who's the youngest. And they have this big feast, and the boys are happy, and they're merry, and, and Joseph sends them on their way, and Joseph's setting them up again. He puts a, he puts a, a silver cup in their bag, in Benjamin's bag. They get out on the road. He sends what he calls his, we call the police. He sends his guards. They chase the brothers down. They said, somebody's stolen. they stolen Joseph's, which they didn't call him Joseph. they stolen his silver cup. And they're just like, that's not us. Nobody in here would do that. We're not that kind of people. That's their self-righteousness. Remember me preaching on this? We're not that kind of person. Would it be us to do something like that? We're not that kind of... We're foresaith, uh, my Lord, these words, God forbid that thy servants should do according to this thing. We're not thieves. We're just murderers. You know, we'd murder our own brother, but we were not thieves. You know, he got real self-righteous. Well, they dig through all the bags. And they say, well, whoever you find the bag in, he's your slave. You can kill him, whatever you want to do with him. Well, they go through everybody's bag. Lo and behold... It's in Benjamin's bag. They all rip their clothes. They can't believe it. They go back up. They appear before Joseph. Judah says to Joseph the simple truth. Joseph, he doesn't know it's Joseph. He says to, 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 the, to Joseph, he says, the Lord's found out our iniquity. He's thinking back to whenever Judah and Reuben and Levi and all the other brothers had took Joseph and tried to kill him and threw him in a pit and sold him into Egypt. That's what he's talking about. And he says, we all need to go into bondage. We all deserve it. And Joseph said something very important. He said, no, only the man that took it is going to have to pay for that. In other words, every man pays for his own sins. Every woman pays for their own sins. You don't have to pay for the sins of your father or the sins of your son. You're going to pay for your own sin. And it goes both ways. You're not going to get into heaven on the righteousness of your mom or your dad or your granddad or your grandma or your, your spouse. You're going to get in on your own righteousness through Jesus Christ or you're not going to get in at all. 
And that's what that great truth is. So we come to verse 18. Then Judah came near unto him and said, O my Lord, let thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my Lord's ears, and let not thine anger burn against thy servant, for thou art even as Pharaoh. So the Bible says, verse 18, that Judah came near unto him. Don't you know those guards put their spears out? As Judah approaches Joseph, and Joseph knows who Judah is, and Joseph's probably thinking, don't get too near me, you're going to figure out who I am. And Joseph, Judah, Judah comes right near unto Jude, uh, Joseph, gets right in his face, and this, you know they had to put their spears out, you know they're on high alert. These are thieves. And you know Joseph had to say, no, let him speak. Let him get near. What does he have to say? Verse 19, my Lord asked his servants, saying, have ye a father or a brother? And we said unto my Lord, we have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age, a little one. And his brother is dead, that had been Joseph, and he alone is left of his mother, and his father loveth him. And thou saidest unto thy servants, bring him down unto me, that I may set my eyes upon him. And we said unto my Lord, the, the lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. And thou saidest unto thy servants, except your youngest brother come down with you, you shall see my face no more. And it came to pass when we came up unto thy servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. And our father said, go again and buy us a little food. And we said, we cannot go down. If our youngest brother be with us, then we will go down. For we may not see the man's face except our youngest brother be with us. And thy servant, my father, said unto us, Ye know that my wife bare me two sons, and the one went out from me. And I said, Surely he is torn in pieces, and I saw him not since. So he's saying, I've got Joseph, and I've got Benjamin. Joseph's already went out and been killed by a lion, and he's, he, he's rent in pieces. And all I have left is Benjamin. And now remember, Benjamin's the one that Joseph, the Lord, is trying to keep. The brothers say, he's trying to take Benjamin away from us. So Benjamin is the one in trouble. And Judah's telling him the story of why this is so important. That Benjamin not be the one. Verse 29, if you speak, excuse me, and if you take this also from me and mischief befall him, talk about Benjamin, you shall bring my gray, down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Now therefore, when I come to thy servant my father, and the lad be not with us, seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life, it shall come to pass when he seeth that the lad is not with us, that he will die. And thy servants shall bring down the gray hairs of thy servant our father with sorrow to the grave. He's saying, if we go back, you're letting us all go free, and you're blaming all this on Benjamin, and he's guilty. We can't deny it. You found the cup in his bag. He's guilty. But if we go back without Benjamin, our dad is going to die. And he explains why our, their dad is going to die. And he's saying, we can't go back. Now notice what he does in verses 32 and 33. What he does in 32 and 33. For thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, If I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame to my father forever. He said, I told my father that if I don't come with Benjamin, it'll be all my fault forever. But notice what it, verse 33, what does surety mean? It means what verse 33 teaches us. And this is what I'm going to preach on this morning. Look at verse 33. This is what surety means. Now therefore, I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of the lad, Benjamin, a bondman to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brethren. Beautiful. Judah steps up when no other brother will step up. 
Everybody's in shock, and Judah steps up, and he said, can I, can I speak to you? And he gets up closer to Joseph. I need to really talk to you. It's the top of us approaching God the Father, trying to approach God, trying to seek God, trying to get close to God. And we know as God is holy, and there's no way you're going to approach God. And we try to seek to God. And Judah gets close to Joseph, and he says, you've got to understand what's going on here. My dad's going to die if I don't come down. Will you let me take his place and let him go free for the sin that he did? You see where this is going? Judah's telling Joseph, I mean, asking Joseph, begging Joseph, let me swap. I'm innocent. Let me swap out the innocent for the guilty and let him go. And I'll take all the punishment that he was supposed to take. That is what Jesus Christ did for us. God swapped us. Just like Joseph's going to swap them. Joseph can swap Judah for Benjamin. The guilty for the innocent. In every way, this is a beautiful type of what our Lord and Savior has done for us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you know I'm not worthy to even to read your book, much less preach it. And Father, I just pray that it'll be your words, not mine. Father, put me out of the way. Father, these people come, some of these people come from a long way. Lord God, Father, I just pray that you give them something this morning. And it won't be from me, Lord. It's going to have to be from you, Father. I just pray your Holy Spirit will move in here right now, Father. Move in, Father. I just pray your Holy Spirit will move and work in every man and woman's heart, Lord. And Father, give us the words we need to hear. Speak to our heart the truth. Lord, help us to understand this beautiful, beautiful picture of what you've done for us in salvation in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I just pray, Father, as we go through these scriptures that we're going to read this morning, Lord God, that your truth will just shine forth. It'll be a bright light that'll come off those pages at us, Lord God, and it'll be hammered home into our heart that you do love us, that you have done something for us, and that this is an amazing thing you've done for us, Lord. And we thank you so much for it, and I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I want to show you that Judah wants to do a swap and that's exactly what God wants to do for us. Now, this, this obviously is going to affect Joseph. So much so that Joseph is going to turn to his brothers and reveal himself. And we'll get to that in another sermon. But what you have here is something great going on with Joseph. Joseph's playing games and he's, he's messing with their hearts and messing with their minds and setting them up and setting them up and, and he's doing all these little things and he's lining them up at, on the table from oldest to the youngest. He's doing all these mind tricks with them. And Joseph's obviously enjoying it and I don't blame him. I'd be doing the same thing. But what you have to understand is you have a brother here, brothers, and a brother in Judah that was willing to kill his brother. And now Joseph says, I know you are willing to kill me. I know you tried to kill me. And now we have the same Judah humbling himself down saying, I'm willing to give my life for my brother. Joseph can't take that love. And he's going to have to reveal himself. That's what I'm trying to present to you this morning in the gospel. Is that when you realize as a lost sinner, I don't care if you're an atheist or agnostic or whatever, when you realize you've got a God that loves you enough to swap with you, 
It'll break your cold, hard heart, and you'll realize, my God loves me enough to die for me. The innocent, the holy, for the wicked and the guilty. Now this was prophesied to take place. Look at Isaiah 53. Let's, look, I'm gonna, let's go deep into this. The swapping. Let's go deep into this. Isaiah chapter 53, please. Isaiah chapter 53. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Isaiah chapter 53. What a beautiful picture this is. Jesus wants to take your place in condemnation. Benjamin was condemned, a slave. Nobody knew this was Joseph. Nobody knew that was, this is Pharaoh's right-hand man. Benjamin's condemned. And Judah wants to take his place. Without Jesus Christ, because of your sin, because of your sin in your heart, in your life, you're condemned already. You have to understand this. None of this makes sense unless you realize that you're a sinner that's condemned. Jesus says, if you believe on me, you'll not be condemned. But he that, believe, but he that believeth not is condemned already. One of the great truths of the Bible that I don't think a lot of people understand is that without Jesus Christ, you're not going to a judgment to find out if you're condemned. You're condemned already. You're just going to the sentencing phase. What you've got going on here is you've got a condemnation already in your heart. You're condemned. God's condemned you. You're walking around condemned. And so what you need is you need something to get you out of that condemnation. You need a good lawyer. I got one to recommend to you named Jesus Christ, a good advocate. If you can't, you also need somebody to take your place if you could. Don't you know that that's what everybody would dream of that ever goes to court? Say, man, I wish somebody just, I could just switch with somebody. I've been asked to preach funerals and I've been thinking, man, I just wish I could switch, switch with some preacher. You know, I really do. You just, you want to switch and it don't work that way. But this prophecy that God has for his son, look at this in Isaiah 53. Look at verse 4. This is the prophecy that Isaiah is given by God about the suffering Savior. Nobody knows this is going to be Jesus Christ yet, but it's a prophecy of a Savior coming. Surely he hath borne our griefs. Whose griefs? Our griefs. And carried our sorrows. Whose sorrows? Our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Whose transgressions? Our transgressions. Brothers and sisters, he's wounded because of me and you. Amen. He was bruised for our iniquities. Our iniquities. Mine and your iniquities. Not his own iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. You want peace? It's going to cost him chastisement. And with his stripes... His stripes, we are healed Amen. spiritually and physically through the body. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him, on him, the iniquity of us all. Look at verse 10. Skip down to verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. 
The Lord was happy to do it. He hath put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Who bear your iniquities? Your iniquities. There's so much to break down in Isaiah 53, but I want to focus, what I'm trying to focus on, I'm trying to show you through this prophecy of Jesus Christ, that we know to be Jesus Christ on the cross, that the, the gist of this prophecy is that somebody is going to die for your sins, for what you did. Somebody's going to die because you're wicked, you've got iniquity, you're a transgressor, you've got sorrows, you've got griefs, you're afflicted, you're all these things, and somebody's going to take your place. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Jesus took your place on the cross. I don't care if you're a Christian or an agnostic or an atheist. When Jesus was on that cross, it should have been you. I don't care how holy or righteous you think you are. It should have been you up there. And as you become a Christian... I say as you become in a sense of, when I got saved, I walked down the aisle knowing I was a sinner. And I walked down, and I put my hand in the preacher's hand, I said, I want to get saved. And he led me to the Lord, and I, like I've said a hundred times, man, I'm lots, I've never, never been the same. I'm glorifying God, I'm going to heaven, praise the Lord. But you know what I realized when I walked down the aisle? I realized I was a sinner. What I didn't realize was just how bad a sinner I was. Because I come down knowing I was a sinner, and then what happens is I got saved, the Holy Spirit comes living in me, and wow, 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 holiness, 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 and that's what I'm not. And the things that I didn't even know were wicked, the Holy Spirit says, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. See, you don't realize how wicked you are until you're around holiness. God's holiness. People want to talk about God's love. And I love to talk about God's love. But it's not about God's love. It's God's holiness. Amen. When you go to the Bible and Revelation around the throne, the cherubims and the seraphims and the angels, they cried night and day. They don't cry love, love, love. What do they cry? They cry, holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy. You can't get around holiness. And until you become a Christian, you get around God and He starts living in you. You, you don't realize how unholy you are. When I was as close to the Lord as I've ever been, I mean, I was walking on cloud nine close to the Lord. I kept the devils after me. The devils after me. I tell brothers and sisters and friends, I'm like, man, I, the devils, man, he's just right there after me. And I got in the mirror one day, and I was in that old travel trailer down there at Bible school, and I was shaving. I was looking at myself in the mirror, and I said, the devil's not after me. It's me. I got to looking at myself in the mirror. I said, 
I'm getting so close to the Lord, I'm looking at me. It's not the devil. I'm unclean. I'm like the leper. The leper, I'm unclean. I'm unclean. You think that's something else? Peter met Jesus Christ and seen Jesus Christ do a miracle. The first thing Peter did was, the Bible says he hit his knees and says, Depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. Holiness! He couldn't take the holiness of Jesus Christ. He's holy. He's pure. And you've got to understand that you're not pure. And you're not clean. And you deserve to die for those sins. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's going to swap you out. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. God wants to swap you out. Will you let him? That's the problem. People don't want to let him. 1 Peter chapter 2. God wants to swap you out with Jesus Christ. Wow. You're like Benjamin. You're condemned. You're guilty. There's no way out. And God wants to swap you out like Judah wanted to swap. God wants to swap you out with Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Talking about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who? His own self bear our sins. Whose sins? Our sins. Not His own sins. Your sins. I'm going to tell you something in here. Every sin you're doing is putting Jesus Christ on that cross. You're nailing Him there. With your sins. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That we being dead to sins should live under righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Amen. He goes right back to Isaiah 53. Peter when he's writing these verses there. He's going right back to Isaiah 53. Every Jew knew exactly what he meant. By his stripes we shall be healed. By whose stripes ye were healed. Those stripes on the cross. Those marks when they took the whip and they laid his back open. And he's bleeding all over the place. Those stripes. Those bruises. Those beatings he took. That's a beating you should have took. That's the whipping you should have took. That's the nail you should have took. That's a crown you should have took. That's what you deserved. But he bared those sins on the cross. That we might come to God in righteousness. Turn a couple of pages over to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. So Jesus Christ, when he's on the cross, it's not for anything he did. He's on the cross to bear your sins. You realize Jesus didn't have to go to the cross if he didn't want to. That's what scared Pilate. He told Pilate, I can have 12 legions of angels here right now. But my time is not now. He's supposed to go to the cross. He knew he had to go to the cross. He was going there purposely. And he rebuked Peter for telling him he wasn't going to go to the cross. Peter said, Lord, be it far from thee. You're not going to die. I'm going to fight for you. And what did Jesus Christ say to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. That's when Jesus came. Jesus didn't come to be a good speaker. Jesus didn't come down to heal everybody sick. He did these things because he's God and he's holy. And he's good. 
He came down here to die for me and you. He must do this. It's imperative that he do this. Because God is holy, and in holiness, he's got justice, he's got righteousness. He's got to do things righteously and justice. And in justice, in the law, somebody must die for sin. Must. You're not going to get out of it. You did it, somebody's got to pay for it. That's the law. That's the law. Look at verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. That's on the cross. The just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. He resurrected and came alive. Now I'm showing you this verse to show you this. Look at the first of that verse. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. Who's the just? Jesus. Who's the unjust? Amen. Me. Me. You. Everybody else in the world. The just for the unjust. You have a swapping going on there, see. God's going to take you out and swap you out. Benjamin, you deserve, to be a, you deserve to be a prisoner. You deserve the rest of your life to be a servant. And Judah says, I'm going to swap and take Benjamin's place. Now, Benjamin, you get to go home with the family. And I'll take the burden. I'll take your grief. I'll take your sorrow. That's exactly what Jesus Christ is going to do when he comes on the earth. He's going to say, sinner, you're on that cross? No. I'll take that cross for you. I'll take your sins. I'll take your sorrows. I'll take your iniquities. I'll bear them. I'll take care of them. And I'll die. And I'll go down into hell. And I'll throw them in there. And they'll never be remembered again. I'll swap with you. What a beautiful, beautiful picture. Turn to 2 Corinthians, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul goes a little deeper into this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. What a beautiful picture. God on the balcony of heaven looks down and he sees sinful man and there's no hope. There's no hope. Give them the law. They'll be righteous. They'll be holy if you give them the law. Show them through the law. If you'll just give them the law. Give them the Ten Commandments. Show them. Show them how they can be righteous. Show them how they can be holy. And he shows them and he gives it to them and guess what? They can't do it. Just like you can't do it. That's right. They can't do it. So what's plan B? Somebody is going to have to take their place. And in heaven they look around and they see Michael the archangel and they see Gabriel and they see all the other seraphims and cherubims and they see them all singing and glorifying God and one steps up named Jesus Christ said, I'll go and I'll take their place. And I'll give my life, and I'll give my blood, and I'll pay for their sin that must be paid. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse 18, please. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Do you feel like God's real far from you? He doesn't want to be. 
You feel like that there's no God in the universe? He doesn't want you to feel that way. He wants to be reconciled with you. You have a God that created you that wants to be in fellowship with you. And he did it by, listen, it's there in the scripture, has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man coming to the Father but by me. Now you know why I'm such a particular about that stuff. It's Jesus or nobody. And hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. That's our ministry. Our preaching, our teaching is you can be one with God through Jesus Christ. You can have God as a father through Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. How's he doing this? To wit, verse 19, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. You see that? God was in Christ. Jesus is God manifest in the flesh, come down on this earth to die for me and you. God is taking our place for the punishment. We can't bear the punishment. He wants us to be able to go free. Somebody must bear the shame. Somebody must bear the sin. God says, I'm going to bear it for them in Christ. It's like the judge that brought up, they brought up in front of his friend. Everybody in, the, everybody in the courtroom, that's one of his best friends. He brings, him, brings his best friend to him in front of the court. And everybody in the court's watching because they're waiting for this judge to not do a righteous judgment. They say, we're going to get him because he's not going to be able to do this to his friend. And he, he gives the fine to the judge. The judge gives, him, gives his friend the fine. It's a $500, which is, this is back in the late 1800s. It's a $500 fine. He drops the gavel. Nobody in the courtroom can believe it. He goes, that's his best friend. The judge, step, judge steps back. The judge takes off his clothes. The judge steps down as a regular man, steps around, pulls a wallet out of his pocket, pulls out five $100 bills, lays it on there, pays his fine, and said, okay, let's go to lunch. Jesus Christ, God is on the balcony. He sees man can't pay the sin. God defails himself of, of his holiness, comes down in the likeness of man. Jesus Christ comes down, lays on the cross, said, I'll pay your sin. Now let's go and be a family, be my brother and sister. That's what's going on there. Now, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. That's the word you want to hear right there, brothers and sisters. Imputing. Imputation. That's when you're swapping. I'm calling it swapping because we're Texans and that's what we would say. But the legalistic term and the biblical term is imputation. You're, you're, what, you're going, what you're saying, what God's saying is, He goes, I'm going to take the righteousness of Jesus Christ, put it on you, I'm going to take the sin of, of you and put it on Jesus Christ. That's called imputation. God is not imputing my sin onto me, He's imputing the righteousness of Jesus Christ onto me, and He's taking the sin of me and putting it, imputing it on to Jesus Christ. Swapping it out. I like to say swapping. It sounds a little bit easier. Verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's deed. Be ye reconciled to God. Why aren't you reconciled to God? It's right there. Jesus has did it all. He's paid for your sin. It, the penalty's been paid. All you got to do is take it. I read this story of this uh, 
guy that owned a, a construction business. And like all construction businesses, they have those little trailers they move up, and then they the, the boss has a trailer house there, and then they work off from that trailer house. And that boss was real generous, and he would get, lend money to his workers, and they come in and say, man, boss, I can't make it to the next payday. Can I borrow 100 bucks? And he'd lend them money, and he had books on all that. And he kept books, and the guys would try to pay them back. And, of course, inevitably, a lot of them got behind because they got into debt, and they owed the boss a lot of money. And one day, the word got out. The boss said, anybody who comes into my office, I'll, I'm going to write them off, and I'll clear the debt. They just got to come in and talk to me. Well, the word started getting out to all the workers. None of them believed it. Oh, he's, that's just a lie. That's not true. I can't believe that. One guy said, I don't care if it's true or not. I've got to take it. That's the best deal going. I would hate to miss out if it was true. And they said he went into the, into the, walked up those stairs, went into the trailer house, and everybody's waiting to see what was going to happen. And they waited and waited and waited, and he didn't come out. He finally came out at the end of the day. He came out. He was smiling, and he had a piece of paper, and he was waving it. And the guy said, it must be true. They ran up there. It was the end of the day. It was too late. It was too late. He'd went in there. He got to talking about the boss. The boss said, yeah, I'm here. I'm going to clear out. How much do you owe me? Like, uh, this is whatever it was. He cleared it off. He got to talking. They had a good fellowship. had a good talk. He said, man, I didn't know you liked that. Yeah, let's. they got to talk about fishing. He spent the rest of that afternoon talking to the boss, fellowshipping with the boss. He comes out. He's happy. His debt's been paid. Everybody else missed out. You only have a small window of opportunity. You might have 60, 70, 80 years. You might have 10 years. You've only got a small window of opportunity to take that payment. Why are you not reconciled? Verse 20, end of verse 20, we pray you in Christ's steed, be ye reconciled to God. Verse 21, for he, talking about Jesus Christ, had, uh, talking about God the Father, about Jesus Christ, has made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. That verse right there is good. When Jesus Christ is hanging on the cross, he became sin. Amen. Son of God, the Son of Man. The Son of God is on the cross, dying for my sins, shedding his pure holy blood. The Son of Man is on the cross, as God has poured all the sin of mankind on him, and the Son of Man says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The Son of Man. God can't look on that sin. He's got to turn his back as he carries all my sins on him. All your sins are being poured out as Jesus Christ literally becomes sin. Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he says, Just like the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. Jesus became that serpent, that wicked, sinful sinner hanging on the cross. He became me and you. For we have made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And all that righteousness of Jesus Christ, guess where that put? That got put right on me. And on you, and on you, and on you. Anybody who's received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You're the, you have the righteousness of Jesus Christ because you've been swapped. This isn't a pardon. 
This is what is called justification. A pardon would say, yeah, you've done it, but we're going to let you go free because we're just good old people. That's a pardon. Justification is, you didn't do it, we never show you've done it, and we've never even known you were going to do it. You're innocent. Pure as the driven snow, you're justified. Just if I'd never sinned. The righteousness of Jesus Christ, that holiness that Peter said, Lord, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. That righteousness, God swapped it and put it on you. And your sinfulness, God swapped it and put it on Jesus Christ. That's how it was done. How does God do it when you're such a sinful person? It's done that way. Judah steps up and says, let me take his place instead. That breaks Joseph's heart. One last, one last set of scriptures in Romans chapter 4, and we're closing. Romans chapter 4. This is one of the most beautiful set of scriptures in, in the Bible. If you haven't read through the book of Romans, you need to read through it. But Romans chapter 4 especially, Paul lays it down, and oh man, this is so beautiful. This explains everything I've been preaching on for 30 minutes. This will line it all out. And you won't have to worry about anything. You'll know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm saved because God is in a work in me. And it ain't me, it's Jesus Christ in me. And in my righteousness, I'm not, going to, I'm not going about to establish my own righteousness. I'm going through the righteousness of God which is found through Jesus Christ. There's a difference. You've got to get it. You've got to get it. Romans chapter 4, look at verse 3. What saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. All right. Question. Do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? The Bible says he'll count that as righteousness. Abraham believed God. Abraham wasn't perfect. Amen. Y'all read the Abraham story. But because he believed God, the Bible says God counted that for righteousness. Wow. Wow. Verse 4, now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. God don't owe you anything. But if you don't get grace through righteousness, you're working and God owes you a debt. Amen. You can't have it both ways. Either it's God's grace or it's God's debt. We as Christians, as Bible believers, say it's God's grace, it's God's grace, it's God's grace. And all the cults and all the false denominations walk around saying it's God's debt, it's God's debt, it's God's debt. You got to work, work, work. You got to work, work, work. Don't do this, do that, don't do this. You better do that. And as Bible believers, we know it's all about God's grace. I deserve to go to hell, and if it wasn't for Jesus Christ and God swapping me out with him, I'm on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen. Keep your hand there. I bear them that they were... This is, this is Romans 10, too. I'm going to read this to you real quick. For I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant, ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. They're going back working, 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 working. I'm going to get right with God by working, working. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. I believeth. I'm not working. I'm trusting. Amen. 
I'm not working, I'm trusting. I'm trusting that God has did a work for me. I'm trusting that God's going to keep it. I'm trusting in God, in Jesus Christ, and nobody else. I'm not trusting in Kigan. I'm not trusting in works. I'm not trusting in the Baptist denomination. I'm not trusting in Gap Baptist. I'm not trusting in some preacher, some pope. I'm not trusting in anything but Jesus Christ. Amen. It's Jesus or nothing for Kigan Hall. Because I know if I don't have Jesus Christ, I'm going to fall straight down into hell. Amen. That's it. If you expect me to be righteous and to keep doing something holy, you're talking to the wrong person. Now, some of y'all else, some of y'all might be able to get in that way. Not Brother Keegan. See in Romans 4, verse 5. But to him that worketh not, to him that worketh not, that's me, to him that worketh not, but believeth, that's me, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, the ungodly, that's me, his faith is counted for righteousness. Amen. That's me, that's me, that's me. And I hope and pray to God, that's you. Amen. Amen. To him that worketh not. What did I just tell you? I'm trusting in Jesus Christ. Amen. But believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. I'm ungodly. I believe on God. I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. His faith, his faith is counted for righteousness. It's my faith I put in Jesus Christ that causes God to be able to say, I'm swapping His righteousness and putting it on you. And Keegan, I'm taking all your sins and putting it on Jesus Christ. Imputation. He's imputing. I call it swapping. Verse 6. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God, whom God, whom God imputeth righteousness Without works. <laughs> Woo! Well, somebody has to work for that righteousness. They did. Somebody has to work for that righteousness. They did. His name is Jesus Christ. And you're not going to get any more righteous than that. Don't even try. And God says, see that righteousness of Jesus Christ? I'm going to take that. I'm going to put it on you. Because you believe. And all that sinful nature you have, those sins, yes, sir, I'm going to take those. And I'm going to put them on Jesus Christ. Amen. Now you're understanding how precious and beautiful and wonderful a Savior you have. Amen. You can, you can just, you got to forgive my wife because she has to sit there when they get on TV and they say stupid stuff about, there's, there's more than one way to heaven. It, you could go through Muhammad or Buddha and my hair just stands on end. I'm like, No! Buddha didn't die for me. Muhammad didn't die for me. Nobody's died for King and Hall but Jesus Christ. And I don't want Muhammad's righteousness. I don't want Buddha's righteousness or some other Christ. I want the righteousness of Jesus Christ put on me. If I'm going to stand before God, I want to be holy like Jesus Christ. That's what he's doing there. And he's imputing. He's swapping out that righteousness of Jesus and putting it on you. Saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Woo! We're blessed! If you're in here this morning you know Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Your iniquities are covered in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Man, that's something to get excited about. Amen. Yes, sir. Blessed, verse 8, blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. All my sins. 
every one of my sins are on Jesus Christ. The sins I committed before I accepted Jesus Christ, the sins I'm committing while I'm, uh, being sa uh, while I'm saved as a Christian, and all the sins I'm going to commit in the future, all those sins God put on Jesus Christ on the cross. He's not imputing one of them. Any sin that I have to answer to God, I answer to God as a father and me as a son. And he can spank me, he can whip me, he can do whatever he wants to to me. That's me, me and him as a God and a son. Father and a son. But outside of Jesus Christ, it's between you and a God that's a judge. Amen. And he's righteous and he's holy. And I'm here to tell you, he's never let anybody get by with it. Not a one. You better get, you better get into Jesus Christ. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Cometh this blessedness, verse 9, cometh this blessedness upon the, upon the circumcision only, talking about the Jew, or upon the uncircumcision also, talking about us Gentiles. For we say that faith was reckoned by Abraham for righteousness. It's his faith, God counted for righteousness. Verse 10, how was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. What he's saying is, you've got all these laws. You say you've got to be circumcised. You've got to keep the law. You've got you to keep the Ten Commandments. When did Abraham get all this righteousness by faith? Before the Ten Commandments, before the law, before he was even circumcised, God was giving him righteousness by faith. That's what he's saying. Christian, don't go to the law. Don't try to keep the Sabbath. Don't worry about what you eat. You just go to Jesus Christ in faith. And he saves you and gives you his righteousness. And he received the sign of circumcision, verse 11, a seal of the righteousness of faith which he had yet been, uh, being uncircumcised. That is sealed it up. That just showed what's going on. That's baptism for us. Baptism doesn't save you. It just shows you what's going on. That he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. It's our faith that causes God to impute Jesus Christ's righteousness on us and to take our sin and impute it on Jesus Christ. What a beautiful, wonderful picture of salvation. Is Judah standing up before his brother that he tried to kill and say, I, I'm a kind of person that will try to kill my brother, but now I repent. And I want to swap my life for my brother's life. And he humbled himself down. Sinner, if you can repent and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I know I deserve hell. But Father, I believe in the payment of Jesus Christ. And I repent of my sins, Father. And I want to be saved. Will you save me? And God will save you. And at that moment, you'll be born again. The Holy Spirit will come live in you. And God, through a it's a judicial transaction. Spiritually says, I'm swapping out Keegan's sins and putting them on Jesus Christ. And legally, I'm taking the righteousness of Jesus Christ and I'm putting them on this sinner named Keegan. Now, Keegan, you get to go free and you are free indeed. Amen. And Jesus, you got to go to the cross for this guy right here. And he did. Now the ball's in your court. Jesus has did it all. God has got it lined up. He's in the trailer house waiting for you to show up so he can take that debt and wipe it free. Amen. But you've got to show up. He's did it all. He's paid it all. 
the, the lawyers have got it all worked out. All you got to do is sign the paper and say, I know I'm a sinner. I need it. You got to admit you're in debt. You got to know you're a debtor. You got to admit you're in debt. You got to say, I know who I owe. I'm going to go to him. I'm going to ask him if he'll forgive me. And God said, I'll forgive you in and by my son, Jesus Christ. Because it has to be legal. And it only legally can take place because he died for you on that cross. And he's going to swap you. See, there's legal things going on here. It's just not harem scarem. God's got it all worked out. He's a, he's a God of the universe. Everything's got its order. Everything works in a certain way. It's the same way of salvation. You can't just sneak in. You've got to go in the way God wants you to go in. And it's simple. Stop being hard-headed and come to Jesus Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for coming up with a legal way to swap us out. Oh, Lord, I could think of all the friends I have in this world, Lord, and I can't think of one that would be willing to die for me. Like my friend, Jesus Christ. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his love. That he's willing to die for lost sinners. To die while we hate him. To die while we talk bad about him and curse him and make fun of him, Lord. He died while we were enemies. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for your legal mind that works these things out that I can get in, Lord, even though I don't deserve it. And Father, I pray if there's somebody at the sound of my voice that's never took that payment, that's never received Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, Father, they'll come on down and they'll get swapped out. And they'll let Jesus Christ take their place. And they'll get to go free like I am. And they get to live in the glory and the peace and the love and the light of your holiness. Thank you, Father. God, just thank you for allowing me to call you, Father. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.